Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is May 15th, 2022. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in rainy BC. How are you, my man? Oh, not too bad. I mean, I've got my... Uh typical business struggles and uh so it's mostly staffing issues but also uh also uh inflation yeah that's actually uh <clears throat> excuse me one place i want to start to talk about is inflation i uh without shopping yesterday and i think listeners both who've been with us for a little while know i've got this very elderly cat he's 18 years old He's got cancer and he's got a, a little affliction in his gum, so he eats soft food. And it's not a special soft food, but the price of that soft food went up 15% just from the last time I went shopping. So that's two weeks. And we were at Costco and noticed that some other stuff we buy, it's up 10%. Our produce is up about 8%. And everything is shot up. Even, uh, something as simple as cat litter, for those of you who are cat owners. Well, that was up 10% from last time we were shopping. The price of gas literally went up nine cents while I was getting gas at my local co-op, and thankfully I got it the you know the, the before increased price because I was standing at the till and the guy was like, "Oh hey, the price just went up." I'm like, "Oh my god," and uh, I know no one's going to feel sorry for me because in Saskatchewan we're still under two dollars a liter, so jacking up was a dollar eighty-seven point nine, which is still absolutely obscene. But it's uh, I make okay money. For considering the uh you know the cost of living conditions where i live but i feel really bad for people who are like our listener ashley's age for example i mean just starting out and trying to establish oneself and it's it's tough i don't know how these kids are doing it i feel really bad for them yeah i mean i mean our 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 parents went through that in the early 80s right um there was hyperinflation then and uh but interest rates that were much much more crippling uh i know my parents when they built their house in 1981 uh their interest rate on their mortgage was 16 and a half percent oh my gosh and uh and then friends of theirs uh started building their house three months later and it was 21 percent wow Uh, so, I mean, in terms of, of interest rates, we have nothing to complain about. Uh, like, even even though interest rates are going up, they're, they were artificially low, or like way too low and uh, in, in the first place. Um, that's part of why housing costs have gotten out of control. Uh, it's because of the low, low, low interest rates. I mean, I'm locked in right now at 1.74. I mean, that's that's outrageously low. Uh, And uh, I mean, I'm not complaining that I got that low rate because it's great for me. But it it is one of the reasons why the housing prices have gotten so nuts. And. but, uh, but I mean, like, we're sitting right now at the pumps here in uh, the Okanagan. We're sitting at, like, $2 a liter for gas, $2.21 a liter for diesel. Um, the 
I know Vancouver, they're at like 223 or 225 a liter for regular gas. And I think diesel is up in like 235 to 240 range. Um, I can only imagine what Vancouver Island is because it's even higher usually. Um, and, uh, and I know that out, out in the Maritimes, uh, it's, it's higher than that even. So it's, uh, inflation is hitting everyone. I mean, I know, I know I've had just on my material supplies for my business, like my, uh, uh, I usually get a, like a single 5% increase a year in pricing. And so far I've had three price increases for depending on the product between 20 and 30%. Yeah, that's uh and you have to, I mean, um, I know our, our listener Ashley had posted up on our uh, Facebook page that in Southern Ontario, where she's at, the gas prices are over two bucks already there as well. And uh, Dan McTagg, who's former Liberal MP, but he's also a president of Canadians for Affordable Energy, he said, you know, brace yourself because it's going to keep going up. I mean, May long weekend's coming up, which is usually when Canadians get out there and go head to the lake and do some driving. So prices always hike up. Uh, I know a lot of people who are canceling their plans because, hey man, two bucks, two and a quarter, that's just that's just too much. I mean, uh, Roy Green, uh, everybody knows him, he uh, said he had a, a, a trip planned, it was going to be a 1500k road trip, and he, he canceled it. He said uh, the price of gas is just too much, and that's, that's happening everywhere. Yeah, I mean... I own a business where I've I have three full size pickup trucks on my uh, that my business owns, and I have so I have a diesel, I've got a twin turbo V six, and I've got a V ten, and like the gas the the fuel bills every month for my business are just getting insane. And, uh, and I have to pass that on to the customer. I have to, I can't eat it. If I eat it, I might as well just close up shop. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that's, uh, that's the thing. I mean, especially when they go up as much as they do. And plus you've got equipment that needs fuel and it's just, uh, it's a necessity. Oh yeah. I've got, I've got diesel equipment. I've got gas powered equipment. I've got, you know, and all of that, like my fuel, like I said, my fuel bills every month are just getting ridiculous. Oh, I can imagine. So, uh, one more note before we get started here, Canada, and that is, I want to welcome a new listener. It was a guy I went to school with. Hello, Dale. He, uh, like so many Canadians, uh, Dale thought nothing about politics until Justin Trudeau's reign of terror began. And he's been quizzing me for years about how the system works and whatnot. And like an idiot, I didn't even mention, hey, I've had a podcast for four years. So uh, finally mentioned that to him, and now he's tuning in. So welcome to the Canadian Common Sense Jungle, Dale. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, I mean, you're going to find out that I know more than Tony. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, but I'm better looking. So uh, it all balances out. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, Canada. So, on the show today, we have a new gun registry. Quick update on the Ontario election. What the heck kind of debate was that? Wokeness gone awry. 
medical assistance in dying, gone rogue, and more. Where do you want to start, sir? Oh, let's let's start with um, um let's just quickly talk about wokeism in school. Sure, let's let's go for that now. Um, this was was brought on by uh, an article you had sent me, and then uh, a bunch of other people have sent it to me shortly afterward about a kindergarten in a First Nations community in Alert Bay, BC. Yeah, they decided to, uh, or the teacher decided to send home a uh, homework assignment on uh, what private parts you like to touch. Okay, now let's, just for the sake of clarity, what grade level was that again? Kindergarten. Kindergarten assignment, what body part do you like to touch? Yeah, like, and it specifically mentions the penis and the vulva. Wow. Yeah. Now, um, I don't want to sound crude. This is a natural act. People do this, but not in yeah. kindergarten. No, because they don't know what sex is. They don't know what being attracted to anyone is. They haven't hit puberty like, they don't know what any of that is because they're busy playing with toys and dolls and, you know, trucks and riding their bike and playing, you know, playing on the swings or going down the slide or whatever. I mean, they that's what they care about. They care about those things. They care about watching cartoons. They, they don't care about any of that because they don't know what it is because they haven't reached that maturity level yet yeah exactly that's that is just so bizarre i mean i'm and i'm not going to advocate for more government control over curriculum or our school system but i have to say who the hell approved a teacher handing out that kind of an assignment to a kindergarten class well and i mean i i i don't know the process. I don't know if teachers have to get the principal's approval for different things in the curriculum or if they just go ahead and do it, right? Um, and I'm pretty sure that that's more likely what it is. They just go ahead and do it. They And and for most teachers, that's fine. You know, but then there's these teachers like this one um, that do things like this or the teachers that, uh, you know, present the uh, the uh, uh, gender unicorn or you know any of those kinds of things in class to to age groups that are completely uh, you know it's completely inappropriate for these age groups I mean the, the things like that like I don't even I, I don't know I have a real tough time with it in the first place because I am a responsible parent and I talk to my kids about those things when they get to the right age. Well, that, that's what I said, yeah. And I don't, and I, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that believe that the school should be teaching this kind of stuff anyway at any age group because it's a parent's responsibility. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and we had referenced on the show last weekend and, uh, oh, by the way, happy birthday, my friend. Um, since I wasn't able to mention to you last weekend. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> thank yeah, you. So on last weekend's show, I'd, I'd mentioned that there was that school in um, 
Abbotsford, B.C., that decided that Mother's Day now needed to be called Grown Ups Who Love You Day. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. They, and I don't, and maybe you're, you're probably right. It's probably not the principal saying, hey, you need to go woke. It's probably teachers going off the deep end and... Well, although, although the the school in Abbotsford, I mean, for for the school to declare that that is a administrator's uh, responsibility. So, I mean, that that's definitely like the principal and the vice principal and the teachers probably all coming together and deciding that that's what they're going to do. Yeah, and, that that's ridiculous. Like, I uh... yeah, I mean, it's insane. I mean, it's the, Mother's Day and Father's Day are have been around forever and, and to start renaming them, you know, adults who love us day. Um, that's ridiculous. Well, it is. I mean, and, and unfortunately it's just yet one more example. I mean, then you get to, uh, the Vancouver police department who wants to decolonialize its police service. And I mean, pl- police forces across the country are doing that and everything is decolonialized and de- and deracialized and, well, if they want to decolonialize, then they would just abolish the police service because the police service is, is a colonial thing. I mean, just police in general is a colonial thing. They didn't have police in North America before Europeans arrived. And Canada was settled by the, you know, they, they sent the RCMP out to, or not the RCMP, sorry, the uh, the... Western Northwest Mounted Police. Police. Yeah, the Northwest Mounted Police. They sent the Northwest Mounted Police out to all these posts all across Canada before people started settling. So they used the police to to you know declare territories and stuff. And so the police are if you want to decolonialize the police service, you're just you're gonna have to abolish the police service. And and nobody in their right mind is for that. I mean, I, I don't understand what this decolonization even means. I mean, it's it's I, I, it's like a, you know, colonization is not a bad thing. There were bad things that happened, of course. We all know that. We all accept that. We all nobody's denying that bad things happened. But colonization is not a bad thing because if it if it is a bad thing, um, then our very existence is a bad thing. And I know there are people that believe that our very existence are, is a bad thing. Well, and, and those people are insane. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's wokeness gone awry. I mean, we're going to get into that more when we talk about made as well because it's just a. Uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, uh, you're right. Colonization isn't necessarily a bad thing as long as you're bringing something positive. And no, our founding fathers weren't always bringing uh, something the most positive. But um, at the same time, First Nations aren't attacking each other and taking slaves anymore. So there's that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that, that's a big fallacy, too, that, that the First Nations all lived in harmony. Um before we arrived and we ruined everything. No, that's that's not what happened. The First Nations tribes were all, at, they were at war with each other. Yes, they traded with each other, but they were at war with each other too. And they took slaves 
and you know they and, and this whole they live in harmony with with uh with the nature is is a bit of a fallacy too because um if you there's plenty of evidence that they would the 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 First Nations have used up all the resources in an area and just moved to the next area. Yeah, that's right. Yep, yeah. and uh, I, found, I I got to see some of that, uh, you know, not living in harmony firsthand being in Yellowknife 20-odd years ago um, as an ice road trucker. And, yeah, when you see some of the uh, the Inuit from further north in town and then uh, some of the local Dene there, there was no love lost, to tell you that much. So. <laughs> well, I'm not, and, I don't, and I'm not, just, and I'm not saying any of this to crap on First Nations. Of I'm just saying let's, let's be realistic. Like, they, like the First Nations are as are as angelic and 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 uh, um, at one with with nature and and each other as 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 anybody else is. I mean, it's which is to say, you know, that nobody is that perfect, except the Sioux, because that's my background. <laughs> but, but, but let's be real nobody's that perfect no and, that's and right. nobody, nobody and to believe that is is insanity as well and and i mean it's it's like uh i would say you know a perfect perfect evidence of that is you go to a head smashed in buffalo jump in alberta where they show you like the pile of, of buffalo bones where they're bison bones um, because buffalo is an African animal, not a North American animal. Um, where the, like, the tribes have just, they would run entire herds off the cliff. Oh, yeah. And, and they would eat what they could, but most of it went to waste. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, like, let's not pretend that they were somehow these perfect human beings that, that Europeans ruined when they came over here. Yeah, that's a good point. But uh, speaking of ruined human beings, there was a leadership debate, which I uh, had a bit of a rant about for the Conservative Party of Canada. Nice and, segue. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, uh, I can't say it was hard-hitting journalism, but I have to repeat one of the questions for you, Lewis. Um who would you like to have dinner with, Lewis? Oh, man. Well, I've already had dinner with Preston Manning, so... Yeah, you lucky bugger. But uh, yeah. that, that was seriously one of the questions. <laughs> I know. You know what else was one of the questions? What, what music do you like to listen to? Yeah, because, boy, that's something I need to know from my next Prime Minister. What's on your playlist, brother? Yeah, what's on your playlist? That was one of the questions. There were some pretty... I, when I heard those ones, I was just like, oh my God, what has happened? Yeah, I mean, and I don't know who was behind you know, the organizing committee ma making these questions up. I mean, yes, when I interview people, I often ask what kind of music they like as an exit question because it's fun and it's just kind of... Let's everybody kind of ended up on a loosened up note, but that's an interview and I'm not talking to prime ministers and I don't care what books my would be prime minister is reading. And Patrick Brown actually said it right when he said that I'm not focused on reading books right now. And he was mocked for it in, uh, I think it was the Toronto star. Oh, it looks like Patrick Brown doesn't read books. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> That debate deserved to be mocked. Oh, does it ever? I mean, it was—it wasn't a debate. 
I mean, it was they, they didn't even hold their, their the candidates to the rules. I mean, how many times did Shari not answer a yes or no question with yes or no? Oh God, that was all he did. And then he would just get mad and lash out at Pierre Polyev. Well, and the, and the and then the moderator would say, "Well, that wasn't. Uh, I didn't get a yes or no answer." And Shari says, "You know, it, it was like proud of the fact that he didn't give a yes or no answer." He he he'd be like, "Well, that was intentional." Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but the the rules were yes or no with a with a short follow up, and and he wasn't even saying yes or no. He, in fact, with his answer, you didn't even know if his answer would be yes or no. Well, yeah, so, and this idea that they've got a when they got the, the paddles round. And here's the thing, like, everybody, like, the media likes to portray Pierre Polyev as the angry conservative, yet there was only one person on that stage that was yelling. That's right. And that was Chavez. Yeah, I mean, and he was, like, you know, exasperated yelling. He was beside himself. It was just, like, uh... He was getting red in the face. Yeah. Like, I... <laughs> Like, there's, I've got so many questions. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, why is Pierre Polyev uh, always referring to what he will do as a Polyev government instead of, I'm like, because right now you're running for the leadership of the party. You're not running for the leadership of the country. You're running for the leadership of the party and all you refer to is a Polyev government. And... And the media is picking up on that and, and, you know, and I think rightly so criticizing him for, you know, some arrogance. And there is some arrogance popping through with Pierre Polyev, which as a Polyev fan and supporter, I'm, I'm not entirely happy with. Um, I, I also think that he's starting to say some kind of, like controversial things that that could very well come back and bite him in the ass in a general election. Well, possibly. I mean, he's uh, he's got a, a level of arrogance about him, which all politicians do, and Pierre's been at it for a long time. I got the fortune, a good fortune, I should say, of meeting him here in Saskatoon in 2019 because he was here at an event for my, who's now my MP, Brad Redekop, before he was elected. And so I got to talk to him, and he certainly got that that arrogance about him, which is, uh, like I say, I think all politicians have it, but unfortunately it kind of comes off as, whether it's smug or whether it's arrogant, he's just, uh, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean, and I mean, the whole idea about the, the Polyev government, I mean, I, uh, I want a Polyev government, but right from the start he's sort of missed the whole... I need to be leader of the Conservative Party first. And his emails do say that. They do say first I need to become leader. But, yeah, it's, it's not playing well for people who don't like him. Let's put it that way. Yeah, well, and I mean, I like him. I'm just, and, and it's not entirely playing well with me. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually really liking Roman Baber. Um, he's... He's coming off very well. Uh, he has no shot in hell of winning, but I do like him. I like what he has to say, um, and uh, and I mean I like the fact that he comes from a you know a country that 
that has suffered under, you know, socialist rule and can bring a little bit of experience with that with him. Um, and he has some authority in saying how damaging and destructive socialism is. Yeah, I think that that's true. And, um, yeah, he actually did. He came out very well in that debate. I think he, uh, you know, he stayed in his, on his talking points, and I think he's smart. He's articulate, and you're right. He doesn't have a hope in hell of winning the leadership, but I think he's bringing some good ideas to the table. Yeah, and, and the one that I was actually most surprised by, and not in a good way, like in a bad way, uh, was Leslyn Lewis. Yeah, she uh, certainly came off as unprepared, didn't she? totally unprepared like she stumbled and on over her answers she uh um she just did not come off as someone who was serious about about being a leader yeah well i think and i think i'd mentioned this in last week's episode where when my my uh sorry my, uh, my rant about the debate that it almost seems like she came prepared to answer the questions that she was expecting and didn't prep for any other kind of contingency. No, and it seemed like the only answers that she was prepared, like that she was prepared for, were to do with uh, pro-life. Like, like she's it's it's almost like she's got this um one issue mindset. Yeah, that, that's certainly what could uh, I could see that interpretation. Yeah. I mean, and it's and it's too bad too because I mean we live in a country where you know banning abortion is never going to happen. Like we're we're not just because you know Roe v. Wade in the U.S. is being overturned. It does not mean that Canada is not far behind. We're not. We just aren't. Well, and yeah, we don't even have an abortion and, law. And, and much to the chagrin of 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 many people, um, it. it because, I mean, like, I'll, I'll be honest, like, I, it's one of those issues I'm extremely torn on. In my private life, I am definitely pro-life. I would never, ever, ever ask my wife to have an abortion. My wife would never choose an abortion, no matter what the circumstances. Um, we just, we value life too much. We have kids. We could never imagine not having our kids. Um, it's, uh, but I, it's one of those issues where it's, it's like, no matter how you look at it, pro or, 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 or against you, you, no matter how you look at it, abortion is taking a life. And if you can live with that, you're better than me because I couldn't. But that does not mean that we should be trying to ban abortion in this country because it's it will never play. It will never play in Canada. Yeah, that's true. And you're, I think you're, you're right. She means she certainly uh, was good on those questions, which really never came up because that's not that wasn't where the debate was going. But, yeah. uh, Jean, I want to wrap this up, talk about Jean Charest just a little bit because he 
I guess, like Pierre Polyev, he just sort of you know looks at himself as being prime minister. But at least Jean Charest is saying, I will win this leadership and I will become prime minister. So it's uh, at least he's acknowledging that he has a step to go before he gets to be prime minister. But the yeah. problem is, he'd be a horrible prime minister. Uh, he would, because he was a horrible premier for Quebec. Um, I mean, and, and he's a liberal. I mean, let's be real. He's a liberal. He is. Yeah, like he shouldn't even be in there. Well, it was funny. There was uh, one line. I can't remember if it was in the debate or not. I think it was when Pierre Polyev said that uh, Jean Charest heard about this on CBC like other liberals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I mean, I'm not going to say that Jean Charest doesn't have any good ideas. He he does have some good ideas. I mean, his ideas on healthcare reform are actually, you know, they're 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 reasonable. Um, but do I trust them to implement them? Absolutely not. No, exactly. So, uh, well, speaking of liberals, we'll touch on the Ontario election here briefly. Um, last poll I saw, the Doug Ford Conservatives are sitting at 39% support, but that's not even indicative of how well they're going to do because the opposition parties, uh, NDP and Liberals in Ontario, are still sitting neck and neck right around 24%. And I need to correct myself. I had said it was Andrew Horvath's third kick at the cat. This is actually her fourth election campaign running as an opposition leader. And the two of them are going to end up splitting the vote enough for I think the the Ford PCs are going to have a cakewalk. Yeah, at this point, I don't understand why the Liberals and the NDP are different parties. And that and that goes for, like, nationally, it goes provincially. I just don't understand why they're different parties. They, they're, they're, screaming, they're crying from the same playbook. Yeah, right, right now they certainly are. Yeah, the Liberals have gone so far left, and Stephen Del Duca is certainly, uh, you know, continuing that tradition of moving as far to the left as possible with his talk about transit expansion and a province-wide handgun ban and vaccine mandate for students and uh, frontline school staff. I mean, he's uh, he's right on that playbook. Yeah, well, and, and what was the other uh, thing that they promised? They were going to increase by 20%, and then when, when or no, that was Horvath, I think. Uh, they said they were going to increase funding for some program by 20%, and then when the public was like, oh, it's not enough, they said, oh, okay, well, we'll increase it by 40%. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, like, it just, it's just... This, this is the thing that, like, we, we rail against all the time on this show, is, is how they... Election time is just, you know, the season of free shit. And yeah. everybody's offering more and more free stuff. And and uh, it's like, how, how is any of this going to get paid for? Like, I just don't understand. Like, where is the money coming from? Yeah. And, and it's like, but, you know, the taxes are going to increase. I mean, and the thing is, is that the... Uh, people people don't understand either that, that inflation causes uh, tax revenues to increase as well. And so governments start getting all this money because sales taxes get bigger. They, they increase, right? Because the prices of goods increase so and, and sales taxes are a percentage of that sale price. So tax revenue from... from uh, sales taxes increase and 
governments start pulling in more and more money without actually increasing the percentage. And oh, they got to find a way to spend it. Yeah, I mean, even Doug Ford and company are, are guilty of this because that quote-unquote budget they released uh, is also spend, spend, spend. But uh, I do want to say, just to wrap this up, that the... The Liberals in Ontario may be short a couple of candidates. I know nomination uh, deadlines are either they've already passed or it's coming up uh, within a couple of days. There was two candidates I want to talk about. One who is the uh, candidate or was the candidate in Chatham-Kent-Leamington, which is in southwestern Ontario. Um, 21-year-old kid who was dropped because he said a derogatory word about homosexuals in a Facebook post when he was how old, Lewis? And he was 13 years old. 13 years old, because at 13 years old, you're so level-headed and rational, you always think about what you're going to write on a Facebook post. Come on. Yeah, this is ridiculous. I mean, it's like, there's... People people change, right? I'm not the same person I was... Like, I'm 45. I'm not the same person I was when I was 40. And I'm not the same person when I was 40. I wasn't the same person as I was when I was 35. And vice versa. Like, you you can't... Like, the person I was when I was 20, different person altogether. And when I was 13, I was a moron. Because I was 13. Well, what 13-year-old isn't a moron? Honestly. Exactly. Like... There's a reason why, you know, counter to what the NDP say, 16-year-olds shouldn't be allowed to vote. Absolutely right. Hey, actually, speaking of that, by the way, our listener M out there in southern Ontario, thank you for sending a fiery reply to that very topic. I'd like it if you would drop us an email or another message or something, because I'd like your permission to use some of that clip in a future show, if possible. But I won't do it unless you give us the go-ahead. So, anyway, sorry, Lewis. Uh, there's the go, let's go to the next candidate. And this was a candidate who had applied to become a candidate in Sault Ste. Marie up in northern Ontario, uh, across the border from the Upper Peninsula, Michigan. Um, this lady was an accomplished Indigenous lawyer, and they dropped her in favor of a literal high school student because this lady who was a lawyer had once worked as a stripper. Yeah. That's I mean, a, a, such a sin. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's not a profession that I would ever choose for my daughter, um, but people do what they have to do to survive sometimes. Well, and I, I remember back in 2004, I think it was, back in the days when you actually had to buy the newspaper to read it. Um, I know that's going to be a foreign thing for some of our listeners, but uh, <laughs> I remember reading an article in the Toronto Sun way back then, and it was saying that there was a lot of young women in the Southern Ontario and larger cities in general who would actually do that for a living to pay their way through school so they wouldn't have student loans. Now, again, it's not something I would endorse for my own daughter, but, but Hey, you have, you have, you, uh, the, the money was really good and yeah, they got their degree with no student loans. So there's that. Well, there is that, but there's also the fact that maybe she brings an insight to social issues that you wouldn't normally get from someone exactly. who hasn't lived that life, who hasn't had to resort to 
taking their clothes off to make money. Um, I mean, this is, it's a, it's a life experience and a point of view that is very, very valuable. And, but the fact that, you know, liberals just seem to not believe that there is a road to redemption, that you are guilty of everything that you have ever said or done because you because there's no possible way to make amends for anything ever unless you are a liberal <laughs> um, even though this woman is a liberal uh, there's just there's just no road to redemption in the eyes of liberals and you see that whenever they try to get someone fired or and it doesn't matter if they apologize or not they still go after their careers and, and everything and this is another example of that yeah and so it's a uh... It's unfortunate, but again, like you're right, not surprising at all. So we'll, um, we've got, oh, we've got lots of time still. Good, we've got two more topics to get on to. Let us go on to the medical assistance in dying, since we're talking about liberal policies. This, I mean, you and I actually discussed on this show back when uh, MADE was, you know, being passed in a law that, you know, that this is going to be trouble. And you and I also brought up on this show the the recent changes to MADE when it was announced that MADE would also be accessible for a medically assist medical assistance in dying is MADE by the way uh, that MADE would also be available for mental illness such as depression. Well, doctors in Canada have decided to say, "Hold my beer." There is a woman in Ontario, 51-year-old lady, well, there was a 51-year-old lady in Ontario who had some serious chemical uh, sensitivities and she was had had a hard time finding adequate housing to that was, you know, able to accommodate these sensitivities. She lived on on government supports and she had enough and she asked, she applied for medical assistance in dying, stating on her application that she wants to die basic quote basically due to extreme poverty and she's now gone there is a, yeah. and there's a man in bc actually no, i don't know if he was in bc they didn't say where he was from sorry that was the next one this, there's a man who was hospitalized after a fall he had a concussion and apparently he was in the hospital for a while and wasn't the easiest guy to deal with so one of the healthcare staff suggested he might have terminal copd and therefore would qualify for MAID. Now, he had no official diagnosis. His kids didn't hear about this until he'd already filled out the application and was approved for MAID. Well, he was gone within two days. He had no official diagnosis from his own family doctor. An official autopsy revealed he did not have COPD. So he got to be suicided just because he was ornery. And... There's more. 61-year-old woman, and this one was in BC, and she was hospitalized for a concussion after a car accident, and she slid into a depression, and because of that depression, had applied for and was accepted for MAID. Within two days of application, she was gone. Her kids are absolutely furious, and so am I. Uh, Yeah, me too, and they should be furious. I mean, this is... You know, you know, our listeners know, I support MADE. I, I like that MADE exists. 
because we because only humans are forced to stay alive when they have a terminal disease or an extreme pain uh have no um there's no dignity in their life they're hooked up to machines or they're bedridden or they you know any of that 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 it's not humane the way we treat people at end of life um i i i know three people who have used their uh, right to die um and they did it in very respectable ways they were all terminal they were all they all had terrible terrible standard of living at that point because they were uh bedridden and in pain and uh we're getting very close to natural death but natural death was going to be excruciating um i would want that option if it was me yeah well i understand that i mean and i but we also we also on this show warned of the slippery slope and once again we were proven right yeah i mean this is absolutely ridiculous now um Listeners might not know, I lost my mom to Alzheimer's uh, just over a year ago. And I mean, that, if there's ever a case for MAID, it is Alzheimer's patients. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, and, uh, and, but, the, but the problem, Tony, is that, is that Alzheimer's patients, I don't even think that, they're, that they qualify. They don't. Because they can't consent. Exactly. And yet they have one of the worst standards of living in their final, uh, in their final years. Oh, absolutely they do, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's uh, horrible. It's horrible reminding them every day that their love, that their husband is dead or that their wife is dead when they, when they, they don't remember it. Yeah, well, not even that. I mean, they don't uh, remember any given day. They could be in a completely different stage of their life. I mean, one, yeah. I mean, in my own case, I mean, my mom, sometimes, sometimes she was, you know, thinking she was still young. And other times she thought my brother was her husband. Like, it's just, uh, you never know where they are. And then, no, exactly. and then eventually it gets to a point where they can't even speak anymore. So, Yeah. And, and it's, it's one of the cases where, where made it would actually be a good thing for, for those patients. But they're the ones that don't even qualify. Yes, it's, it's, it's sad. And it's... Uh, I think when we, we had this discussion, it wasn't very long ago when we talked about the expansion of made to include depression and anorexia and whatnot. Eating disorders. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what really pisses me off the most is that there are doctors who are signing off on this. Yeah. Oh, they're depressed. Okay. Well, yeah, we can, we can help them kill themselves. Oh, they've, they've, they're anorexic or they're bulimic. Oh, yeah, we can help them kill themselves. Are you guys insane? Guys and well, gals. I mean, this is something I think it, it, that is a, a broader issue, and that is that I don't think liberals, I don't think that that liberals or left leaning people have as much respect for life. That's true. I mean, it, uh, that this, I mean, right here, right here, this is proof. 
it, it, I mean, you see policies like this, uh, they're, I mean, you see like people who, like the left-leaning politicians or people who advocate for abortion, how they, how they're proud that they had an abortion. Uh, and, and, and then you've got things like this where, you know, let's expand the right to die to people who have an eating disorder or who have extreme poverty or who have, um, who are sad, um, or, you know, whatever, any number of things. It's like, there's just no respect for life. No, that's right. I mean, in, uh, and of course, that one, the lady in Ontario ended up getting some attention outside of the country. I know Dan Bongino would uh, point out in his show, say, why is Canada killing poor people? And it's like, well, that's a little bit of an extreme interpretation, but but yeah, I mean, she said she wanted to die due to extreme poverty. Yeah. But, um, all right, let's move on. We got, uh, oh, we got a few more minutes. We can, we can bang this one down. There's a new gun registry in town. <laughs> hey, we're going to bang this one down. Um, yeah, this is like the one topic where I'm actually having to re- readjust my sitting arrangement here because I need to get comfortable <laughs> for this. We've got 10 minutes. Fire away, buddy. There's a new registry for firearms owners. I thought the gun registry was killed by the conservative government, Lewis. It was. And, we, okay, for those of you not old enough to remember, there was a mass shooting at the École Polytechnique in Montreal where um, Mark Lapine murdered, was it 14? I think so, yeah, 13 or 14. Yeah, 14 young women and then turned the gun on himself and killed himself. Um, And coming out of that, the Liberal government in all their wisdom decided to create a long gun registry. Now, there's always been a registry for handguns and other restricted weapons. Um... But they decided that, you know, to stop anybody from using a, a hunting rifle or a shotgun from killing anyone, they were going to force Canadian firearms owners to register those weapons. And lo and behold, they spent over a billion dollars on this registry They never achieved any of their objectives, went, the the, the the cost overruns were astronomical, um, and it was a boondoggle. They've all—it's been referred to as the billion-dollar boondoggle. And when Harper came into power, he uh, one of the first things he did was he eliminated the long gun registry. Jean Charest, as Premier of Quebec, imposed a Quebec firearms registry um, because it would be politically uh, prudent for him to do it in Quebec. Um, Eliminating that gun registry had no effect on 
gun crime because it had no effect on gun crime when it was brought in. Um, because in Canada, and I've mentioned this stat before, but in Canada, licensed firearm owners are 300% less likely to commit a felony than non-firearms owners in Canada. Firearms owners in Canada are extremely responsible people. It is very rare that people in Canada are killed with legal licensed firearms. More than 80% of all gun crimes in Canada are committed using firearms that were smuggled in from the U.S. Yet, every single time something bad happens in Canada with a gun, firearms owners, licensed legal firearms owners who are vetted by the RCMP are the ones who get punished. And now we're being punished again. They're starting on the 18th, which is Wednesday. The Liberal government has ordered a new registry for firearms owners. Now, here's Here's the interesting thing, because two years ago when they brought in the order in council to ban all kinds of guns that, you know, have never been used in crimes in this country, um, they, uh, they targeted legal licensed firearm owners then, and they're doing it now. The ban, since the ban on all those quote-unquote assault rifles, they, the gun crimes in Canada have skyrocketed. And it's not because of licensed gun owners. It, it, it never is. Yet, to curb all this violence, they're going to make a new registry. Now, this registry only applies to new sales. So, if I have a a gun in my possession that I want to sell, I will now have to get permission. Even though that person has shown me their pal, and it's uh, a valid, I can't just hand the firearm over, which up until next Wednesday, I am able to do. You'll now have to get permission. You'll have to get a transfer number. You'll have to do this. You'll have to do that. And before you can hand the gun over. Yep, it's ridiculous. Now, um, there was once a rule that when you bought a gun from a gun store, for example, they would have to keep the records on file for seven years. Yeah. Now, um, and Trudeau made, the, made one change a couple of years ago where they would extended that period to... 20 years and then they've expanded on it again because now not only does the gun have to keep a record of that gun sale for 20 years they need to reach to the, the gun store also has to store your information and the details of the purchase and the serial numbers of the weapons and your pal number and your personal information along with the gun's information for 20 yeah. years yeah, it's it's actually, and I've read this online. I don't. I in in some firearm owners groups that I am a member of, 
uh, I have read that I don't know. I have to get confirmation on this, but I've read that the firearm in the information on the firearm is actually not part of the registry. Hmm. It's just the buyer. Uh, actually, let me just take a look because I went on to Canada.ca last night. Let me just took, take a look okay. at my notes here. Okay. This is a direct quote, and I think you're actually right. Individuals or businesses transferring or selling a non-restricted firearm will need to confirm the identity of the recipient and confirm the validity of their firearms license with the register of firearms, registrar of firearms, sorry, prior to the transfer by providing the recipient's license number and any other information requested, quote, end quote. Yeah, you don't have to keep any information on the firearm. Right. It's a it's an it's a firearm owner registry. Yeah, that that's that's what it looks like, and that is a direct quote right from right from the government of Canada's website. So, uh, but the yeah. thing I don't understand is that they already have a firearm owner registry. Exactly. Because you you have a pal that's issued by the government. They already know who all the firearm owners in the country are. Yep, that's right. And now, so why? So why? Why do we have to do this? Is it because they want to know who's amassing guns? Like, yeah, you know what? I own like nine guns, but not because I'm planning an assault. Well, and what other reason could they be be wanting that information? I think you're right. I mean, it, it, obviously, they want to know who's buying guns. Well, yeah, I mean, I I'm certainly not buying any more. I mean, and I have the ones that I want. So, I mean. That's fine, but it's none of their goddamn business. That's the part that really irks me. It's none of their goddamn business if I want to go make a purchase with my after-tax dollars at a retail store. Especially when people who are licensed firearms owners aren't the ones committing the crimes. That's right. So why, what's the big, why do we need to know? We're not the ones that are the problem. It's gangbangers, it's drug dealers, it's, you know, people smuggling guns in from the U.S. that are the problem. And yet, those are the people where they got rid of the minimum sentencing. Yep, that's right. And now uh, those people are going in, they're getting out. They're going in, getting out. And they're, and we and the, the increase in gun crimes, I mean, a lot of it are people that are being released from prison or released on bail for other gun crimes. Yep, and they're getting back back out in the street, and they know better than anybody how to find a gun fast, and they yeah. get one, and they're back. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, like, there, I know lots of firearms owners, and we're all very responsible. We own lots of guns. Like I, like I said, I own nine, but and, and I know other people who own more than that. But it's because we're gun enthusiasts. We enjoy guns. We enjoy shooting at the range. We enjoy, you know, target practicing. We also like to hunt. I'm a hunter. And I hunt different animals. So I need different calibers for different animals. And uh, and, and when you're going to the range, you want to try, you want to practice, you want to target shoot different calibers because like a 22 you can shoot a 22 like like maybe maybe uh you know 150 yards you're you're really stretching a 22 
you then you move up to like a 243 you know for a couple hundred more yards then you get you know like a 300 wind mag and you and you can target shoot you know like 800 yards or something right and i mean it's it's a challenge it's it's a you know it's something that that is uh it's a fun activity and anybody who's who hasn't fired guns before might not understand that but it's actually a very entertaining way to spend an afternoon and and it's and it's a it's a and if you're a hunter you know target shooting and everything helps hone your skills so that you can provide food for your family yep Absolutely right. And the government just wants to make certain they know exactly who's trying to provide for their families. Yeah. It's it's a it's a scary place that we're at here in Canada. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's a very scary place that we're at. Yeah, it really is. And uh, as, as usual, we'll use this as a good place to wrap up the show because we can leave you on a sour note to think about Canada. So, because that's what we do here at Canadian Common Sense. <laughs> we leave you on a sour note every single episode because we don't like good news. <laughs> <laughs> it would seem that way. So, <laughs> so uh, thanks for joining us, Canada. I'm sure you can look forward to a rant or two this week because there is four or five topics we could not squeeze into today's show. So, uh until then, or until next weekend, it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And it's Lewis out here in BC, and I just want to say, anybody who is a licensed firearms owner, or if you're not a licensed firearms owner, but you have a license, go out and buy your guns before Wednesday. Good advice. All right, thanks, Canada. Good night. Good night. and Tony.